Hi, and welcome to The Gist. For many of us, September is a month of transition. We're on the cusp of a new season, an autumnal chill in the air. Kids are returning to school, and adults are resuming a regular work schedule again. But in a post-pandemic world, what does showing up for work really mean? It seems that some employers are heading towards a full return to work in person. Others are adopting a more hybrid model, but still mandating a certain number of days a week at the office. With all the lessons learned from COVID and the increasing power of technology, the approach to work doesn't have to be so prescriptive. A more nuanced view that addresses the need of employers and employees alike could serve us all well. Let's start by taking stock of how different parts of the world have embraced remote work or not. A recent New York Times article provides a good global snapshot. The degree to which remote work has taken hold depends on local conditions such as housing density, length of COVID lockdowns, and cultural norms. The highest remote work adoption is in Canada, the United States, and Britain. This could be a function of employees having larger suburban homes where they can find quiet spaces to work effectively. Many employers in these regions have also had to invest in technologies for remote work to minimize business disruption through multiple long-term lockdowns. In these countries, workers across industries have been spending at least five to six days a month, even today, working from home with slightly lower levels in Europe. In contrast, work from home levels in Asia, for example, have been much lower at two to three days per month, particularly in densely populated cities where people often have small apartments shared with others. This type of housing situation makes it harder to work from home productively. And in some Asian countries that went through minimal or no lockdowns during the pandemic, some workers never worked remotely at all. Cultural norms like expectations of close managerial supervision versus worker autonomy also play a crucial role. Depending on the country or company, some employees simply feel less comfortable advocating for remote work. They either fear reprimand or fear missing out on career opportunities. As far as management is concerned, the global trend seems clear. Mark Ein, chairman of the workplace security firm Castle, has created a back-to-work barometer. It shows that, almost universally, management wants staff back in person. This is borne out at various companies from Wall Street's big banks to several tech giants. For managers, having everyone under one roof has its advantages. Leading a team of distributed people is challenging at times. But giving employees the autonomy to choose their workspace also has benefits in terms of retention and overall staff well-being. This leaves everyone in a bind. While some employees are happy to go back in person, 
Others need more flexibility and are looking for employers who provide it. This is where things get personal, depending on the type of work and the particular circumstances of our lives. As employees, it means asking ourselves some tough questions, understanding what work means to each of us and making necessary trade-offs. As employers, it might mean relinquishing some control over where people work in order to hold on to talented staff. Next time in part two of this topic, let's dive into some of these questions and also look at some predictions of where we're heading with the future landscape of work.